Welcome to the Multiply Group Podcast, where we believe if you can make leadership development intentional, it can be reproducible, and when it's reproducible, it becomes unstoppable. I'm your host, Mac Lake, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my oldest son, Brandon Lake, a global recording artist, songwriter, and worship leader. Now, one of the most profound places I've witnessed leadership multiplication is within my own family. And in this unique series, Brandon and I are going to dive into some fun topics like health, creativity, family, family dynamics, leadership, and more. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're just starting your journey, you're in for insightful conversations that go beyond the surface. Welcome to our special limited series, Generational Leadership. (laughs) So, sir, I don't know if you remember, but I sat you down years ago with my guitar, and it's the guitar sitting right there. That's right. Yeah, so uh, I took that guitar, and I taught you G, C, and D, and I think you were 12 years old, Yeah, if I remember right. Yeah. And uh, a year later, I came to you and I said, hey, Brandon, will you give me guitar lessons? Because <laughs> you had so far exceeded me. And I don't know if you remember this, we were sitting in the library, at our house in uh, Summerlin hmm. and sat down for my first lesson with you. 15 minutes into it, you get up and you said, Dad, you're not even trying. And you walked nah, out. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be on tour with you right now. Yeah. But, but you gave up on me. We could have been a family band. We could have been a family band. <laughs> I don't know. Besides you, everybody else in our family, musically, not very musically not inclined. Not no. there. Yeah, I don't know where you got it from. But... Um, so, you know, I knew years ago I, I saw your hunger to learn guitar. And then when you started to sing, you were terrified, but you took that step. And yeah. then you just developed this passion for worship. I was thinking about this today. I don't know how you got the passion for writing or when you started get into, getting into writing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard to put my finger on exactly when because it's like all those things kind of um, work together and add up. I remember I still have like a memory of us um, and like learning a third day song at my grandparents' house, Meemaw's Floor, and we played <laughs> it on her you know, CD player and, and learning that song. And so I think before any kind of innovation started, uh, if you will, it was a whole lot of imitation. Mm. And, you know, it kind of started like really innocently and, you know, I just wanted to be cool. Mm. I wanted to I wanted to be like the other kid who was playing on the praise team. We called it back yeah. then, the praise yeah. team. I remember it. his name was Will and he played this BC Rich guitar, one of the ugliest things you've ever seen. It's a horrible guitar, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, <laughs> later on down the road, I find out, oh gosh, that's a really, you know, not a great guitar. But I just thought it was so cool. And so I, you know, got into guitar and then people just like, my story started a lot like others where I didn't really want to sing, but people were begging me to. Mm-hmm. We always needed somebody to lead worship in a small group. I yeah. started playing guitar. They're like, well, can you just sing too? You know, I'm like, no, I don't want to. I remember singing for the first time being so uh, it was miserable. It was mm-hmm. the most vulnerable thing mm-hmm. I'd ever done. Oh. I get done doing it. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. And there was just that like thing deep in my gut that was like, I think I'm, I think 
I should try this again, you know? And then people yeah. ask, I'm like, okay, I give it another shot. And then I just, when I fell in love, like fully fell in love with music and with worship, when I saw, I began to lead worship and I saw people's lives transformed mm. and them really coming alive. Um, that's my curiosity for, okay, all these artists I'm imitating, how do they, mm. how do they write these songs? Like, how do mm. they do that? You know, and I'm reading my Bible and just I'm, my curiosity yeah. led me to my creativity. Wow. And, uh, and, and I just wanted to be like, like these, these artists that I'm listening to and thought, what if I could create something for myself that then people connect, connect to, you know, and, and I'm also like a teenager in, in, entering those teenage years. So I'm, I'm like, maybe music's a way I can process my own feelings, you yeah. know, and, but I, the most, the moment where I, I really believe it started to take off was when I found Phil Wickham. He became like my hero, like the ideal artist. Like if I could sound like, be like, mm. write like, lead like anyone, it was Phil Wickham. Christian Stanfield was my moment when I looked up on stage at a beach camp in Myrtle Beach, student camp. I remember, I remember so vividly looking at him and saying to God, God, I want to do that with my life. Wow. And he was the first person outside of my my church, you know, uh, people I was writing with in church and, and leading a church. He was the first, if you want to say, professional writer yeah. that I ended up becoming friends with. Wow. How crazy is that? Wow. Then Phil Wickham was like, if I could write songs like anyone, it'd be Phil Wickham. So I would sit in my room. So this would have been, you know, a few years after leading worship and stuff. This was like so 18. This was about 17. 17. 17 years old. Um, I'm starting to to try to write songs like Phil because I would just listen to his record over and over again, the Canons record, and um, and when I went off to out of high school, I went to a worship leading program for a year, and that's when I was like really like cutting my teeth, and they, they really encouraged songwriting too, and then they had classes around it, and so then I start to develop tools on like okay, that's actually why a verse sounds like a verse and why a chorus sounds like a chorus, and yeah. you know and um, but I, you know, would spend hours in my room listening to Phil Wickham songs and then just trying to write something that sounded like that, you know, mm -hmm. working on my head voice, my falsetto and figuring out how to in incorporate that. But it was a whole lot. Of, I've heard it said like, yeah, before you innovate, you have to imitate. And yeah. so it was a whole lot of that, you know, years after year. But but then I had people that God sent. I look back now and I'm like, oh, Martin Chalk came into my life around this time. You know, it was after that school I came back and they yeah. put me on staff for yeah. whatever reason. I don't know yeah. why they put me on staff, but they did. And, and, and so me and Martin would, would write. And when you rub shoulders, luckily, and you've taught me to seek out those who are, who are further down the field than you and learn from them and ask them great questions. The mm -hmm. sign of a great leader is the questions they ask, you yeah. know? And so I would... And, and I would I remember have one on ones with Martin, and you would help me figure out questions to ask. Yeah, and yeah. we'd I go to the coffee shop and prepare for your one on ones. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, I could barely understand him with his Scottish accent. I've learned to understand <laughs> it now. Um, and so those those relationships, I had a few others that really they you know poured gas on the fire, um, and that's when I began to create um, my own songs. And man, were they bad! But <laughs> you can't get to a good song without going through a whole lot of bad ones. Oh, and to this man. day, it's the same same exact thing, but that's kind of yeah. where it started for me. 
That's why I tell people about leadership development all the time. You have to be bad before you can be good. You have yeah. to be good before you can be great. Yes. It's, it's a pathway that you yeah. have to go through. Yeah. And most people give up when they're bad. Yeah. So when you were in like Ocean's Edge School of Worship, so you were writing before that, but it was writing from just an intuitive sense, yeah. just from, okay, I want to do this. It's an expression. Then you go there and they begin to make you do it and they're giving you some training. Yep. Are there frameworks around songwriting, around the creativity that <clears throat> I call it like little cheat systems that you can use that are frameworks that, that all of a sudden it begin to fall together and like, oh, wait a minute, there's an actual skill behind this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like very practical things that you start to learn. Okay, your chorus needs to be higher than your verse, you know? Huh. Um, even understanding like, hey, your song needs to make sense. You know, at a kid, you don't really care. You're like, I want to say whatever I want, you yeah. know? But like, it needs to kind of tell a story, right? Yeah. And and starting with a bit of like, uh, I'm conflicted or this is, this is the problem, but you know what? This is the answer. You're the answer yeah. in whatever way, you know? Um, and, and then, you know, the bridge in modern worship has become something that takes it to another level and something that you can chant and repeat mm -hmm. over and over again, or a lot of bridges do that. Um, and so learning even those little tools then helped me kind of take the mess of what I had just been throwing at, you know, on at paper and try to make sense of something, you know, and put a story together um, and make it make sense and make it, and here's the biggest thing, you know, developing tools to make it accessible for people. Yeah. You know, um, you can create all day and uh, say whatever you want, um, sing whatever you want, but in the context of worship, it's not a sports car, it's a bus. If you, you know, you're not taking one person with you, you want to mm. take as many people along for the ride wow. um, as you can. And so, school helped me understand. Like, if you want to say whatever you want, go be an artist. That's great. Yeah. But if you want to be a worship leader, write songs for corporate, you know, settings, mm. there are some some tools and some some ways to, you know, architecture for that song that helps people, you know, go along for the ride. Huh. Um, you know, you want to lead people, not leave people. And yeah. that's what really helped me take it from my, I'm going to leave them with what I'm saying here to, okay, I can lead them because this is accessible. This makes sense. You know, clarity trumps creativity in that sense. Yeah. So, you, from the outset, you wanted to write songs, congregational worship songs. Yeah, and I, I think I, you know, there was that that took precedence over being an artist. It's even weird for me today being an artist yeah. within worship, right? Because it's not something. Even though, like, I looked up to Phil, and and he did that beautifully. Uh, and he remains a role model for me because he does artistry so well and very accessible worship, writes both and incorporates both. And I've heard that a great song is when creativity and utility meet. Mm. So your song that is super accessible mm -hmm. can still be creative, but you know there's got to have you got to have enough you know uh, clarity in that creativity for people to go along. And and so yeah, worship leading just doing it over and over and over again, I'm like, this is, I want to be able to use my own stuff in this setting since that was my, my setting. And, um, and that's really what became my, like my sole passion was, was writing songs that w I could actually use for the church. Yeah. It's crazy. <clears throat> um, when you were 
19, you had not released your first album yet. Mm-mm. No, you were, you were 20, because you, uh, you were married. And I don't remember, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, you had written some songs, because they did them here at Seacoast. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but nothing had been really produced or anything. And so I knew that you were writing songs. I, I, Mom and I had moved to Atlanta at this point. Yeah. Craziest experience. I leave home one morning to go to work over at the church. And on my drive, <laughs> I start praying. Wasn't thinking about this, nothing. It came out of nowhere. I just start praying for you. May his songs be sung around the world. May wow. his songs be sung around the world for 10 minutes. Huh. Verbally, out loud, on my drive to church. That's all that came out of my mouth. Wow. May his songs be sung around the world. You hadn't produced one album. <laughs> right. Um, the songs you wrote were probably bad at that yeah. point. I oh, don't yeah. know. The church I mean, didn't even want to sing them. <laughs> yeah. But, but I remember praying that for you. Wow. And, um, and now just so proud of the songs you're writing because you started when you were you know, 17, 18. And when I, when I listen to your songs, there's a depth of conviction and content in your hmm. songs. That's mm. what I love about your songs. Mm. And I get texts and voicemails all the time from my friends saying, man, this song that Brandon wrote has changed my life. This song wow. Brandon wrote got me through this season. And these are mature believers, pastors that are they're sending me these yeah. messages. Wow. And so just God has, has gifted you an anointing to lead worship, but also to write mm. songs for the church. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's who's at the beginning of their creative journey. Yeah. They have a desire to songwrite, they have a desire to write plays or, or movies or create YouTube channels or write a book or something like that. Mm. What advice do you give that new creator? Hmm. <clears throat> you know, this might sound weird, but export like your culture, like your who you mm. are, mm. right from testimony. Mm. right from what God's doing in your life. Um, I think there was a Mm. beautiful thing about that season of trying to imitate Phil or other artists. But if I stayed there, my songs would have just been a counterfeit, would have been a copy, a second, you know, and it never would have, I don't believe, had the effect that you're saying right now that around the world is people text you, wow, this song, Too Good to Not Believe is a song that is probably the best example of a testimony song. It has all these miracles I've seen in the bridge, and I'm saying I've seen it. I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen Mm. broken bodies healed. Mm -hmm. I've seen mental health restored. Mm. I've seen uh, families reunited. Like these are things I've seen in church, you know? And me and the boys, when we were writing, we're like, let's just say the things that we've seen, and this might be a really bad song, or it could just be like so powerful because. Let's just let's declare all the things that we're we've seen because we know that they're going to happen again. Let's yeah. call on them, you know. Yeah. And the I've seen the songs I have written from my personal testimony and my my walk with God have been the most transform transformative in other people's lives. Yeah. And there's something crazy uh, about that. Like I remember at Ocean's Edge, a young leader told me one time. He said, "Pay attention to what God's telling you because it might not just be for you." Ooh. He said, it might be for somebody else. Mm. And so I would, I would tell that young creator, like, write down everything that God's mm. telling you. Like, write down, 
like speak from a personal place. Yeah. Vulnerability, honesty breaks down so many walls. I think it's why people are maybe not just drawn to my music, but like Maverick City or yeah. Elevation, you hear these elements of honesty, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, I think of that song like Wait On You. It talks about being in the hospital room and the doctor said, sorry, there's, no, mm-hmm. there's no, nothing more we can do. But I knew like he wasn't through, yeah. you know? And using that kind of language, I think people can connect with that. Hey, we hope you're enjoying these conversations. You know, so many of our discussions seem to come back to being intentional about personal growth. So if you're looking to grow, the Multiply Group team wants to give you a free resource from our brand new training called Leadership Accelerator. This resource provides a step-by-step guide to creating your own personal growth plan to help you grow as a leader. So check out the show notes or visit multiplygroup.org forward slash personal growth to get access. Now, back to this episode. It's got to connect with you before it can connect exactly. with anybody else. And exactly. I mean, that's what I've learned as well is when I write, it's got to, I have to write from a place of experience and authenticity. Yeah. And if, if you said to me, hey, Mac, I need you to write an article on such and such, yeah. I would freeze up. Yeah. I would just die. I got to write on the freshest thing that God's doing in my life yeah. and what he's saying to me. And that's when it flows. When did that start for you? You, you know, <clears throat> pastoring your own church, planting your own church, pastoring that. We move here to Charleston. You're pastoring pastors, our campus pastors. You're, you, you held a lot of different positions, but there's been this, con- this growing thread of writing and creating content. What... What sparked that, and when did you start doing that? <laughs> the copy room here at Seacoast. <laughs> I was literally walking through the copy room. Pastor Greg passed me. I'd never written a word in my life except for school, you know, and wasn't even on my radar. And he passed me in the copy room and just stopped and said, hey, you need to write a blog on leadership development. Remember blogs? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still have one. <laughs> okay, I apologize. <laughs> It's not real active, but it's still there. Right. And he's like, you need to write a blog, because blogs were a big deal. Yeah, they were huge. You need, you need to write a blog on leadership development. And and he just walked on. Well, huh. I stood there sort of mesmerized going, uh-oh, this, this is a God moment. I knew mm. it wasn't, Greg may not even remember saying it. Yeah. It was such a God moment for me. It was a calling. Oh, this is good. And yeah. so I just like, okay, I'm going to obey, but what am I going to write? And so I got somebody to teach me how to open up a blog and do all that. And I just started writing about what I was teaching on leadership development. Wow. And, and what was funny is all of a sudden it got traction. Yeah. I mean, like 14, 15 posts in, it's getting reposted, it's getting traction. Yeah, yeah. It freaked me out, yeah, yeah. so I stopped. People are actually reading it. I just... <laughs> People are reading it. I can't do this. It puts so much pressure on me. Oh, man. And so I literally stopped for a season, and then God was like, no, you're not going to stop and uh, go back to this because this is, this is a calling. And that's when I decided, okay, my blog is going to become my journal. Mm. I'm going to journal the things I'm learning about leadership and leadership development. It's for me. I don't care if anybody else reads it or not. Never lose that. And I'm taking this away from this conversation because— there are moments where I think, should I have put out a record? I'm, I'm mostly confident in, in what I did, but there are still moments where I go, 
was it really smart to put out a record for my wife that talks about our marriage? It, was it really smart to put out a mental health record confessing that I've gone crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but it's undeniable. This is the stuff that people connect to because it's what they're facing. It's like, oh. like I said, I'm going crazy in a song. Somebody out there is listening and going, oh my gosh, thank the Lord somebody else articulated this and, and said it and yeah. put it to a nice melody so it's, you know, I can scream out and yeah. cry out for help because, man, um, I never want to lose that sense of making my songs. It's just my journal. It's yeah. my, comp- you know, it's scripture. Yeah. It's what he says. It points to Jesus at the yeah. end. It's got to point to Jesus if you want to call it worship or if yeah. it's going to be helpful. But putting my own story in, I think people will always connect to what's real, what is like. I'll never forget, I was speaking at a conference. I was in the green room and Alan Hirsch came in. Alan's written a gazillion books. Yeah. And he comes up and he says, Mac, I understand you're writing a book. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And he said, well, when's it coming out? And I said, I don't, I don't really know yet. Um, but I said, Alan, I'm just really struggling. Mm. You know, I got publisher interested, but I'm really struggling. And he said, oh, you afraid your baby's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You afraid you have a, people go think your baby's ugly. Yeah. And I said, yes, that's it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed at what I've written, at what I've created. Because are people going to judge what I created or are they going to judge my identity based on what I created? Yeah. And they will. Yeah. That's the scary thing. Some people will. 100%. And they will criticize it. Yeah. And that that criticism, I can take personal, so it's really struggle. And he really challenged me to get the book out there and just Mm. don't be afraid of it. And so, so I did. And that's when I released my first book, The Multiplication Effect. But <clears throat> that book, I actually started writing 10 years before it was released. Wow. And I couldn't write it. Huh. I was paralyzed by it, by the fear. Huh. And one of the things that I've, I've learned, and it's been really tough, I think it was my fourth book. When I got my fourth book in the mail, and it got in the mail, and I opened it up, and I held it and looked at it. That's the first time I was like, I'm an author. Oh, wow. Not the first book, not the second, not the third. Yeah. It was the fourth. I'm an author. Wow. And that felt crazy. Being honest, uh, I think I've had that moment. <laughs> uh, but I still struggle calling myself a songwriter. <laughs> so I, I've backslided since. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 yeah. yeah I backslide often. Yeah. There was a moment I yeah. no longer claimed to be an author. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I struggle with that. And it honestly, which I don't know what is that? Is that an is that a is that an identity thing like I or a that's I mean it's got to be something I'm just like not trusting God with or like don't believe or I'm insecure and because the <laughs> truth is I've written songs, been a part of writing songs that have changed people's lives. Yeah. I write songs about every day. Yeah. I think I'm a songwriter. Yeah. But why is it so hard for me to say that? Like, why is it so hard for you to say I am an author? I know for me, it goes back to my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I grew up in West Virginia. I struggled in English class. And this is really embarrassing. But um, I went and got my Bible degree at Moody Bible Institute. Then I decided to get my um, uh, master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. 
So I go to Dallas Seminary and you have to take an English entrance exam. I failed it. <laughs> I failed the English entrance exam. So I had to take a 101 English class and yeah. it was me and a bunch of foreign students. I was the only American in the entire <laughs> class. And so I just knew I'm not good with the English language. I ain't good at the English language. Yeah, and uh, and it's like I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. It's been so I've told myself that so many times. Wow. But yet God called me to write. Yeah. So yeah, I'm writing this book right now, and it's like birthing a fat baby. It just it's, it won't come out. <laughs> right. But and so I want to give up. I want to I want to tell myself. Mac, you're not an author. You're not an author. Yeah. So just quit. Just quit. Now it's time to quit. Yeah. But there's one thing that drives me. And there's something missing out there in wow. the industry. Wow. And so the books I write, the majority of my books, yeah. are geared towards discipling leaders. Yeah. The church does a decent job discipling new believers. But once somebody starts to live like Jesus, yeah. we don't disciple them to lead like Jesus. Wow. And so what happens, we, the church takes people who are, who are living like Jesus and they pick them up and go, oh, look, they're living like Jesus. Let's throw them in the swimming pool of leadership. And there's a big splash and those people you know, climb to the side and they get out and they go, I'm never getting near the swimming pool of leadership again because wow. I just about drowned. drowned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And why did they drown? Because either you provided zero training for that leadership wow. position or you provided two weeks shadowing experience and threw them in. And, and so uh, I tell church, uh, church plant networks and denominations this all the time. Because yeah, I'll get these calls and I'll say, hey, Mac, do you know anybody? Uh, we we want to plant a church in San Francisco or wherever. Do you yeah. know anybody who wants to plant a church in San Francisco? Well, my next question is, don't you have churches in San Francisco? Yeah, we do. Well, are, are any of them raising anybody up? No, no. And so the church has defaulted to trying to find church planters versus develop them. And so here, this is why I write these books, wow. the Discipling Leader Series, is we don't have a church planting problem in this nation. Yeah, we can't find very many of them, but we don't have a church planting problem. We have a discipleship problem. Wow. Discipleship is the root of the problem. A lack of church planters is the fruit of the problem. And so the whole reason I'm writing the leading others, leading leaders, leading a department, leading the organization, the whole reason I'm writing that is to give to equip the church with a tool to disciple leaders. Wow. The way Jesus did. Yeah. You know, Jesus, man, he got a in Luke chapter six, he had been discipling, you know, it, these guys encountered Jesus. Some of them encountered Jesus in the fall of 26 AD. It was a year later, 27 AD, he looked at Peter, James, Andrew, and John and said, follow me. Hmm. It was almost nine months later. He, he, uh, Luke says that he called his disciples to himself after a full night of prayer. And the, the Greek word for prayer in Luke 6, it means pray without ceasing through the entire night. Hmm. It's the only time we see Jesus doing that. Hmm. And it was on the eve of him selecting 12 leaders that wow. he was going to develop. Wow. And it's if you if you look at it on the chart, it's at the exact midpoint of his public ministry. And so it's at this point, he prays all night, he comes down from the mountain from praying, and Luke says he calls for, calls his disciples to himself, and from among them he chose twelve. Hmm. You, 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 11, 12, come follow me. Everybody else, you can go home. Now you have to realize this was at the height of his popularity. 
So how many disciples were at that foot of the mountain? There could have been hundreds, and he chose 12. 12. That's when Jesus started doing leadership development or the discipling of leaders. And if you study the next 15 months, and you just look at what Jesus did, it's intensified leadership development. He's withdrawing from the crowds, and he does four retreats, one each quarter, winter, spring, summer, fall, that he withdraws from the crowds and does intentional, intense challenging leadership development with these 12. He raised up world changers because he discipled them as leaders. And that's a passion. And that's why I write. And you're one of very few that I know really do this. And like you said, there's a, a, a discipleship problem. Why, why is it such a problem? Mm. Out of that story, you know, I'm hearing intense, time, mm-hmm. praying out through the night, you know, uh, there's a lot about that that does not seem sexy. It yeah. doesn't seem necessarily fun. Yeah. Um, why is there such an issue in the church nowadays with, with that? Well, I, I think it's something we can dig into a little more. Yeah. But, but before we dig into that, Here's what I would say to a creator. You gotta have a meaningful why Hmm. to fight through the blockages that comes with creativity. Hmm. If you don't have a meaningful why, you're gonna take a knee. You're just gonna take a knee, you're going, well, yeah, I tried, it was too hard. But then your why's not big enough. Yeah. You know? So I think, you know, what as you think about worship writing, what what's your why? Um you know, I relate a lot to what you're saying. Um, worship songs exist out there. Um, you know, it's something you can find if you're looking for it. There's there's great ones out there. What makes me burn for it and want, like you're saying, you wrote those books because you didn't see that it existed. Yeah. There was, there was a void there. There wasn't a resource there. For me... I'm driven to write songs that make people come alive. Yeah. And, um, you know, it says that he came, that, that we may be alive, like full, like a, live an abundant life. I am tired of seeing, <laughs> yes, I want to lead people to Jesus, but I, for those saints, the people that are already singing worship songs, if I could provide mm-hmm. them with some worship songs mm-hmm. that lead them to like real freedom and, yeah. um, don't just tell them about Jesus, but like what Jesus came like to, to pay for and, and die for and give them the life that he wants them to live. Like if I can help describe that, yeah. like he, that he does want you um, uh, uh, whole and healed and freed and delivered and um, like enjoying this life and living and calling and purpose and anointing. Yeah. I want to see the church like wake up. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of times I'm in worship and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm not buying it. Like, yeah. like it's great. Like, worship first and foremost is to minister to God. Yeah. But there is an element too in these in these songs that we're educating the church on who they are and yeah. who we're called to be the the body and and the kind of life that we're supposed to live. And um, you know, I just I want to write songs like I'll never never forget starting to lead some of these songs and and hearing people roar for the first time and mm-hmm. hearing people like 
or on a deeper level, you know, or mm-hmm. um, uh, just get wrecked, like, you know, just really encounter, encounter uh, these truths in the presence of God. And, um, and so I feel like I kind of stand by it. I remember signing to Bethel and them asking me, like, what are you, what are you excited to do? And, I'm, and I just had made this statement, like, I think the people, the children of God should be the most free people on the face <laughs> of the planet. Yeah. And I stand by that. And I want to see that. And if my songs can help people do that, yeah. Um, then I, I feel like I've I've contributed something, you know, and yeah. and it was worth not just imitating but but innovating, um, and that's what kind of keeps me going. And to hear people say, whether it's a, a worship song or it's a mental health song I wrote, and just to hear people say, like, I'm so glad to hear somebody else verbalize what I've I've been trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. Um, that's what brings me so much joy is when I get a call. Like I yeah. got a call the other day, you know, pastor said, hey, we're taking some people through your books. And one of the ladies got a, she completed your leading others book and she got a promotion. In the middle of that training, she got a promotion as the manager of her pharmacy. Mm. And she came in our office and said, thank you so much for taking me through this training. Wow. Because it prepared me to lead at work. Yeah. And, and that's my desire <laughs> yeah. is that if, if we can shape disciples that don't just operate in the church, but op- operate in the home and the community yeah. As, yeah. as, you know, yeah. living a biblical lifestyle of leadership. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I just, I just imagine the story, her at work and somebody said, I, I picture this part, you know, I make this part up, but somebody at work approaching her going, you're a really good leader. Where'd you learn that? Yeah, yeah. From my church. Yeah. I'm like, man, the church should be raising up the best leaders on the planet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I want to create resources. <laughs> hey, you get them freed and, and yeah, yeah. hopefully. Well, no, uh, I think about the same thing. I'm like, man, I'd love to hear someone say one day, or, you know, same situation, bro. Where did you learn to write like that? Where, how did you create this music? Oh man, learned it at church. Yeah. Like my church does this kind yeah. of stuff, you know, or I yeah. wrote this song with some guys at church. <clears throat> and what keeps me awake sometimes is what am I doing to raise up more Brandons? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't want my creation to just end with me. Yeah. The things I'm creating, I, I want it to inspire. Honestly, it's probably one of the biggest. Um, Probably my favorite bit of feedback I've ever gotten was was when I released something. I just remember seeing a comment in the comment section on Instagram or YouTube or something, and it was a young kid, and he said, thank you so much for giving us permission to write like you write. Yeah. Why you said it, what you said and, what, and how you said it, I feel like has given me permission to write honestly, and, and it's inspired me. My favorite comments are these are these young guys in my comment section going, "Bro, you're you're such an inspiration," and you know, to be able to do that on a global level is really beautiful because you yeah. can't meet with the hundreds. That, you know, right. like you're like Jesus picked twelve. Yeah. And so my my mission and something I've been dreaming about is how do I how do I intimately raise up Brandon's yeah. locally. Yeah. And then how do I continue through song and through doing things like this with yeah. you? How do we, because you can't meet with everybody, how do I uh, pass on what I'm learning and inspire others to do the same thing? Yeah, I love that. And you know what I think of when, as you say that? 
<clears throat> Genesis 1 and Genesis 1.1, one, one of the very first things we learn about God. In the beginning, yep. God created. Yep. First, one of the first things we learn about God is yeah. He is a creator, and yeah. we are created in the image of God. Therefore, we should be creators. Yes. And so I think it's pretty much a given that every believer is a creator. Yes. It's we have to we have to stimulate the courage for them to release the creativity. Yeah. Because it's the lack of courage that restrains creativity. Mm. It I mean, think about it. We both said it. Yeah. I'm not a writer. Yep. I'm, I'm not a songwriter. I'm not an author. I'm not this. I'm not that. Why? Because of the fear, the insecurities. Yeah. And the insecurities takes creativity and puts it in a cage and locks it up. Huh. And it takes many times it takes somebody from outside that cage who's been freed yeah. to go to a young Brandon yep. and say, let me, let me unlock this for you and let me release the courage because I believe God's put the creativity in you. Yep. You just got to have the permission and the courage to let it out. Creative's got to have a community. You'll die. Shh. You'll Man, die. That's true. Uh, you know, I don't know that I'd still be doing it if it wasn't for my friends here. Yeah. Um, and a few friends around the country, because uh, I still, there's moments where I want to give up, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but it's it's those people that I'll share a song with and they'll give me honest feedback, but they also, like, they really know how to, like, encourage me or they'll help me out of the hundreds of disciples and he's praying for 12. You know, that can be so overwhelming is how do I, I've got these songs, how do I pick the 12 that I'm presenting to the world, you know? Yeah. And I've got a community to help me yeah. do this, help me remind me who I am, help me to keep going. And, um, you know, there was something I wanted to say earlier and it just came back to my mind, but I want to encourage creatives that at some point you got to ship it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had the, the, this, this worship leader here, um, Jan Radikoff. I remember I wrote one of my first worship songs. <laughs> I showed it to her and Lord knows she probably saw holes all in the song, right? <laughs> yeah. And But she's like, you should try it. And mm -hmm. I was given the, the college ministry to kind of run with, with w worship. So why don't you do it? And I was like, it's not done. Like, there, no, I don't, you're like, what do you think about it? She's <laughs> like, I think it's great. I think you should try it. Huh. And she, she knew the importance of me putting it out there yeah. and just trying it. Yeah. Was it done? Definitely not. Yeah. But what I, I think she knew I would, there was valuable lessons and, 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 uh, and putting that song, leading that song, just trying it, like just ship it. At some point, yeah. like you could, you could change it, you can edit it, the heck out of it. Um, but at some point, you just got to do it. You got to put it out there. You got to try. Yeah, perfectionists like to polish and polish yeah. and polish. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. What do you dream of? What are you dreaming of creating next? <laughs> not not the next song you want to write, but I, even beyond that, you know what? What are you dreaming of as you as a creator? Mm, wow, maybe it's a type of song or something like that. Can I share a few things? Mm -hmm. So, like I was saying earlier, um, I love seeing people come alive. Yeah, and not just spiritually and, and hearing it after service. Like, wow, I was you know that song ministered to me, but their hands were in their pockets the whole time. Like, I want to see <laughs> hands up, people going wild, you know. And that tells me something. And there's certain music and and songs that do that for me. And lately, I've just been like, and it and it probably will sound funny to many, but I've been studying EDM music, 
And there's something about that music that just makes me come alive. Mm-hmm. I have so much fun when I'm listening to that music. You know, mm-hmm. me and the boys and and my truck, we're always listening to that. I notice that it does something to them too. It's a generational. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I love that type of music, which is weird. And I think it's interesting that the church hasn't really tapped into that. It has a little bit, but and and not in the way that I'm noticing. I'm noticing uh, some trends right now. And it's not just that this is the cooler sound, right, right. but there are some, some things to it, a simple phrase being repeated to a certain kind of mm. the delivery mixed with the message. I'm noticing some things. And that's, that's something I'm kind of dreaming about right now is how do I take the principles, these, uh, what kind of makes EDM music the way it is and incorporate that to scripture yeah. and to worship and see that I literally have been having visions of like an EDM type set and people just getting blasted by the Holy Spirit and just having the best time mm. worshiping, but it has a completely different sound uh, oh. to it. And so I don't know when or how, <clears throat> but that is something I'm dreaming of yeah. right now. Um, hmm. And, you know, I'm excited to continue my journey of, of putting out, I'm excited for whatever God just lays on my heart next. Didn't see the help record coming, the mental health record coming. Yeah. Didn't see this necessarily, but only a few short months out before putting out a record talking about my marriage. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited for just like the next thing that God puts on my heart. The last thing I'll say that I'm dreaming about is writing an influential song. Excuse me, let me say it this way. Um, hearing an influential song go around the world that someone else wrote that my contribution was Mm. I just I gave them I raised them up as a writer I shared what I've learned somebody I'm discipling that is a that is the next thing I'm dreaming about is not the song I wrote but the song that somebody I discipled wrote yeah yeah what are you dreaming about what what's got you up at night yeah Uh, you know, I, I wrote the anchor book of, you know, the multiplication effect. You know, how does a church disciple leaders, you know? And then the, the Discipling Leaders series. I want to continue to write things around discipleship, discipleship tools. I've got this idea for a very unique theological training tool. Huh. And I'm very excited about it. I don't know when I'll get to it, but that's one thing I'm excited about. It's a very unique approach. Um, the book, sort of what I would call a keystone book, uh, is, is going to be called Jesus Master Trainer. Hmm. Because for the past few years, I've been studying the life of Christ chronologically. To, what, what we do, when we study the life of Christ, we look at what he does, but rarely do we look at when he did it. And when you look at what he did and when he did it, it shines a whole new light on his life and his strategy. Yeah. It's fascinating. So I want to write a book called Jesus Master Trainer. Hmm. Play on words. Looking at Jesus as a developer, as our master and a developer. And so I'm very excited about that book. It'll be a few years because I'm just doing a lot of in-depth research on that. And then another one I want to write is called Blue Zone. Uh, Blue Zone is, I think there's seven areas of the world that are called Blue Zone. 
and it's where people tend to live to be 100 years old. I have heard about this. Yeah, no it's, it's fascinating. And so because of my value of health and, and my passion around health, eventually I want to write a book. Wow. But I do want to write this when I'm older. Yeah. I don't want to write, I'm contributing to it right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Thoughts and stuff. But it's called Blue Zone because one of my goals, I don't say this out loud very often, but I want to be a walking Blue Zone. Mm. And so I want to influence the the health span wow. of the people in my Love sphere that. of influence. You know, God is God is in control of our lifespan, but we're very much in control yeah. of our health span. Yeah. So I want to write a book on health. Wow. And one of my heroes, you know, is John Wesley, uh, because yeah. of his discipleship, his discipleship strategy. Well, I found out, you know, a couple of years ago, he actually wrote a book on health. No way. And it blew me away. And so I'm like, now I'm really motivated to <laughs> yeah, write yeah, it because, yeah. man, I just I admire yeah. him and his life. And But yeah, Blue Zone is a, yeah. is a book I want to write. That's awesome. And more, more unique discipleship tools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love and what I hear from that is that they're two books that vastly opposite from each other in some ways uh, or could be. And yet they, I have to believe, will feed each other. And I, when I think about um, breaking through what's got you stuck as a creative, um, when I think about really uh, making a mark and 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 um, and and having fun along the journey to mm-hmm. like it can be so overwhelming like you knowing what you want to create but like man I think there's something to um, letting yourself giving yourself permission to write this way and write this way and write mm-hmm. this way and they all somehow feed each other. Stretches you. I've really learned that in writing with Pastor Stephen and after writing a worship song before the next worship song we find ourselves writing a hilarious you know wild song that's not a worship song it's just about yeah. whatever yeah. something random yeah. you know and um, and I've watched how that's kept me healthy you know and yeah. to to chase those rabbits and they might even turn into a dream later down the road they might even turn into you know yeah. like you would have uh never written you won't write this blues in it if you don't contribute to it now you know right. and yeah. write down thoughts now and yeah. so as a creative i think it's really important for us to create i like to call it a storehouse where mm-hmm. this might not be the next crop that's ready to be harvested right yeah. but you're you're putting it like you're creating a storehouse of yeah. seeds, of ideas. And one day, God's gonna maybe say, okay, it's time for this one, you yeah. know? But I wanna, re- I wanna have like 10 seeds ready to go that could all yeah. be a record or be a, be a, be a, a course, a, a, yeah. a tool, a resource, or whatever it is. And so that's one, one thing that um, I see you model and I've been trying to do is every day, jot down ideas. Yeah. Let your mind run free, yeah. be creative every day. You know, like don't dismiss anything yeah. too I've quickly. Got a, I've got a folder for all the books I've not written. I got yeah. a folder for the books I've written. Yep. I got a folder for the books I've not written that yeah. I know I want to write. And, and there's at least four more books I want to write, and several more tools. And so I've got a folder for all of those that you get an idea today, you can zip it in there. Yeah. And I know I won't write Blue Zone till I'm probably seventy years old, hmm. but I'll have a lot of good content in there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it can be. Um, uh, a real headache being a creative and a creator, but what a gift it is to be able to see what we create, uh, raise up other people, give mm-hmm. them permission to go after their dreams. Yeah. And I pray I always get to be able to create stuff that develops people and raises them up to a higher level. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Generational Leadership Limited Series. My name's Mike, and here at Multiply Group, our aim is for these conversations to go beyond simple dialogue. We want them to inspire action. So what's your action step from today's episode? Maybe you're just curious about Multiply Group, and if so, we'd love for you to visit us at multiplygroup.org. And while you're there, you'll discover that we offer a free 30-minute call to help you identify your best next step in your own leadership development or the teams or organization that you lead. Once again, thank you for tuning into the episode. We're looking forward to having you join us for the next one.